Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. That's the secure these rights governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm every year as Alan Nathan, the Militant Moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degree-thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And, of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right. The Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week. Again, all thanks to you. And, by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right. Please get out of the thought control business. Going to get to our topics in just a second, but, James, if you please, go ahead and play for the good folks that first clip of ours. A sex change operation um, opens one door but closes many others. I, I, I personally believe that um, anyone who um, who, uh, who who collaborates in in an in in intrusion into a developing child's body and mind is guilty of child abuse, a crime against humanity. Okay, because that child is not prepared to make such a decision. Okay, I, I, I think that such such decisions about sex reassignment surgery must wait um, when when Attains a majority, which would be, it seems to me, a minimum of, of age 18. Uh, I'm, I'm very concerned with this because I think that. Um it's become a fashion, okay, uh, that, that, they, uh, that uh, the transgender uh, definition has become a kind of convenient label for young people who may simply feel alienated, okay, culturally for many other reasons. The script. Folks, uh, this is something about which we're covering a great deal, and uh, we need to do this more often. Uh, it, it, it strikes me that we have turned upside down all rational thought. There's no contextual proportionality uh, comprising our disagreements these days. But right now, guess what? Major feminist groups are joining All-American swimmer Riley Gaines and Republicans in support of the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, and they're doing so against Biden's promise to veto it. So how will the left argue over women's rights versus the trans females' alleged rights to trample those rights? Also... The Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, otherwise known as SIGAR, scorches the Biden administration's incompetence regarding the resettling of Afghan allies following its cataclysmically botched evacuation and broken promises. What's next on that horizon? Also, Washington Representative Pramila Jayapal is spanked for saying we need illegal immigrants to, quote-unquote, pick the food we eat and clean our homes. Can you believe this? And she did this while Georgia Representative Marjor- Marjorie Green calls Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas a quote-unquote liar to his face over the border crisis. The question is, who made the most sense? It's a valid inquiry. Who indeed made the most sense? Joining us right now is old friend of the show, Jeffrey Lord, a former CNN commentator, uh, served a multitude of administrations. Uh, Jeffrey Lord, good to have you back. How are you today? I am just fine. Spring has sprung, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, 
I, I want to go ahead and revisit that clip we just heard. Uh, it, it strikes me that we're, we're really needing to hear this discussion more and more often. And, um, and, and, and I think what we just heard right then and there, uh, this, uh, you know, you had Camelia Pagli, and she is, of course, a professor at the University of Arts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She's a, uh, a long-revered feminist, um, and uh, she says she thinks that gender transition surgeries for minors are a form of child abuse, a crime against humanity, as they are irreversible and the child doesn't know what they're doing. She says that often the people getting them just feel alienated from society rather than actually being trans. And also, a lot of times, these kids, uh, they may think that just because they're attracted to their own gender, that this means that they must identify as the opposite sex, when in fact, no, they're perfectly happy being their own gender. They just find themselves attracted to their own gender. And I'm wondering, how many of these folks are lost in the mix? Your sense of it, Jeffrey Lord. Yeah, I think these people are, are just truly lost. And, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. One of the amusing things out there is that these people cannot bring themselves to define what a woman is. Uh, Well, the last I knew, the LGBTQ uh, movement, the L stands for lesbian. And to the best of my knowledge, uh, a lesbian relationship means between two women. So if they can't define what a woman is, maybe they should just drop the L from the whole movement and move on. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a valid point. Tongue-in-cheek expressed, I, I understand, but still uh, a valid point nonetheless. Uh, now, I want to get your reaction to another development here. You know, again, you got the Women's Liberation Front and Women's Declaration International USA. They're all now apparently on the same side as All-American swimmer Riley Gaines, as well as the Republicans, in their joint objection to Biden threatening to veto the GOP bill that would actually ban trans males from going against naturally born females in competitive sports. The bill is known as the, well, I think it's the what, the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. Anyway, how do we see this Democrat against Republican yet still Democrat allied with Republican against Democrat battle uh, panning out in the not too far distant future? Jeffrey. Well, I, I think I think Biden is making a, a, a well well aside from the merits. I think he's making an enormous political mistake here. I mean, if you are of a certain age, which we all are here, uh, one remembers uh, all the all the the rise of the feminist movement. Um, Gloria, you know, whom I think in there, uh, the the, the well known feminist that you, and you you quote uh, Camille Paglia. Gloria Allred and this one. Okay, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, all, all sorts of people out there, and it was all about women's rights and respecting women. That's what the whole feminist deal was all about. That's what Title IX was about. And suddenly they're throwing this all over the side for men who who are saying that, well, I identify as a woman. I mean, where does this stop? I'm, one of my favorite questions in all this was a few months ago at a Senate hearing Cruz had one of these people in his uh, sights there on a committee hearing, and he says, so tomorrow I can identify myself as an Asian woman. Is that right? <laughs> no, that, that's valid as well. I, I mean, tongue-in-cheek also stated, but it, it's still valid as well in, in, in its rudimentary sense. I mean, uh, many on the left insist that defending the protection of women in, uh, uh, and girls in Sports Act is actually an attack on the trans community. But, Jeffrey, isn't it more rational to perhaps say that objecting to a nonsensically biased agenda that's hiding behind a minority demographic doesn't mean that you're attacking that minority demographic. I mean, aren't you simply against that agenda making cheap use of that demographic, Jeffrey Lord? Well, that's, that's, that's right. I mean, to, to suggest that anybody other than a woman should be able to participate in women's sports, I mean, maybe, Alan, we have reached the stage where we should just uh, obliterate sports by gender period and uh if you well, want no, that to play would be ridiculous because then, the then, then we don't then we don't have people giving given a chance to show where they're excelling within the the context of their own of their own universe well, right. i mean what's what's for instance wrong with saying that you can be pro-transgender while still recognizing the inherently unfair physical advantage that transgender females have over naturally born females in competitive sports i mean 
isn't isn't it accurate to say that camouflaging this grotesque unfairness as a civil rights campaign is fooling nobody with an IQ over ice cream? Right. You're absolutely 100 percent right here. And, you know, what, what's happened, and, and we are well familiar with how this works, is this has become politically incorrect to say what you and I are saying. And that's the real objection. And, Truth can uh, absolutely, know, empirically verifiable facts can never be politically incorrect to say. For instance, nobody can deny the scientifically provable physiological advantages that trans females have over naturally born females. Just as when you think about it, nobody can reject the physiological advantages that naturally born males have over trans males, who are women, of course, who now identify as men. I mean, where am I mistaken in the least? I'll tell you what, more on this upon a return. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Jeffrey Lord's going to hang around. We hope you do as well. This message is provided by Beringer Engelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer Ingelheim's Phase 3 Global Global Fibronir program. To learn more about Fibronir and eligibility requirements, visit fibronir-ipf.longboat.com and fibronir-ild.longboat.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math that aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM SkillsBuild continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time Ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs. 
at pva.org. I describe myself as um, as transgender. I, I, I don't. I have a you know massive gender dysphoria, which I've had since uh, earliest years, and so I, I, this, this has been the really the, the major theme of my life. But I concluded all right, in my book, Sexual Persona, okay, that that you know, that sex is an intricate intersection of of nature and culture. We must allow for both. All right? So what's what's happened now? Okay, is this, this kind of a, this kind of a, a mad. Uh, I think obliteration of biological distinctions because biology was eliminated from the women's studies curriculum and now the gender studies curriculum wholesale from the start. So I think that you know those programs are essentially practicing fraud. Uh, how can you possibly introduce young people to the study of gender without without uh, uh, at least one course in biology for us to determine what exactly is the biological bequest to our identity? Uh, fairly stated. That's uh, Camelia Paglia. We had her on our show a number of years ago. She's professor of, uh, at the University of Arts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, she, of course, is a devout feminist, uh, Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein uh, supporter and voter. And she acknowledges that uh, she has left, uh, she has felt transgendered all her life, but thinks sex is where nature and culture intersect, as you hear her. Uh, she says biology has now been eliminated from this conversation and says that Women in gender study programs are now uh, fraudulent because biology is not discussed, and you can't really uh, discuss the latter without the former uh, within context. But so blind has the uh, supposed advocates for the transgender community become that we're losing sight of this, and there's no contextual proportionality to discussions anymore on the subject. And, of course, um, if you point out these flaws and you insist on accountability in argument, um, said accountability is characterized as more inappropriate uh, than the shirking of it by others. This is ridiculous. So many on the left right now are characterizing uh, our expectation for their accountability as being more inappropriate than their shirking of it. And then when you, you push it in their face as a way to explain, hey, do you understand? Look at the mirror. Do you see what's being reflected back onto you? They deny the accuracy of the mirror. We have assisting in the opining and analyzing offer to the show, none other than Jeffrey Lord, contributing editor to the American Spectator. He's also a contributor to Newsbusters and Conservative Review. He's also a former CNN political commentator. He was associate political director for President Ronald Reagan who worked for Housing Secretary Jack Kemp under uh, President George H.W. Bush, as I said, for multiple administrations. Does he hail? Uh, his most recent book is the highly praised work entitled Swamp Wars, Donald Trump and the New American Populism versus the Old Order. Jeffrey, good to have you back. Thanks again. Wow. We live in interesting times, as the old Chinese curse goes. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I'm somebody who likes to jump around a little bit in topics. I've got to ask you something about your guy, uh, Donald Trump. I don't believe that he wound up supporting Disney in opposition to Governor DeSantis in this battle over which the vast majority of Republicans and a huge number of everyday American families not affiliated with the GOP agree with DeSantis on. The idea that, uh, you know, these folks shouldn't get a free pass and they should be held accountable for the taxes they they need to pay. And also, it was crazy for them to characterize a bill that guaranteed the rights of parents to have a participatory role in the curriculum to which their kids are going to be subjected as somehow being tantamount to the don't say gay bill. I mean, what the hell is Trump doing supporting Disney against DeSantis? when the vast majority of Trump supporters agree with DeSantis on this very issue. I'm at a loss. What the hell is wrong with your guy? Well, I think what's going on, and I don't have any inside information, but just knowing my history here, not just of Trump, but how this works in American politics in general and always has, if you're running against candidate A and you are candidate Z, um, whatever position candidate A takes, you take the Z position because it's your job to run against the other guy. So I suspect that's what's going on here. This is a long tradition in American politics. You can pull the personalities out and change them and put new ones in, historical figures, etc. cetera. Uh, I just think that's what this is all about, and you're going to see infinitely more of it as we go through the primary process. But this makes no sense. 
it makes no sense because by that measure, um, if you're hypothetically a Republican going against another Republican uh, and they come out devotedly as uh, pro-life, uh, you should all of a sudden become pro-choice by the measure you've just given us. I mean, that's almost like opposition for opposition's sake, uh, Jeffrey Lord. I, I don't. Well, you I get, don't think that passes muster. You you get some of that in in these situations. I, you know, I've gone back and and taken a real look at these things, both primaries and general elections. And man, these are brutal in American policy. And I'll, I'll give you one example right off the top of my head. From 1800 of all places, Thomas Jefferson versus John Adams. The Jefferson, the Jefferson people said that uh, uh, John Adams was a hermaphrodite, which is to say he had both male and female sex organs. And the Adams campaign responded by saying that Jefferson was a dangerous atheist. <laughs> and it's been downhill ever since <laughs> with this kind of thing. So uh, all oh I'm God. saying well, is Well, you know what? Just, then all of a sudden, those two historic here. figures just dropped a bit uh, in my esteem. Uh, I mean, I, I can't. That is very strange. That is very, very odd that uh, such a thing would happen. But uh, what Trump did in this regard, I, I just think was avoidable. There's other ways he can, uh, you know, strongly oppose DeSantis, although I'm a DeSantis fan and I offer that disclaimer. Uh, there's a ways he can do it without, uh, you know, showing opposition for opposition's sake to such a nonsensical way, especially by taking a position with which so many of his own supporters agree with DeSantis on. It just it just strikes yeah. me as very odd. But more on that on another day. I want to get back to this topic because, again, major feminist groups uh, are, are, are joining Riley Gaines, again, you know, the all-American swimmer, as well as uh, a lot of folks in the GOP, most of the folks in the GOP, in supporting the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act against Biden's promise to veto the damn thing. Um, yeah. I'm just curious how, how the left can argue over women's rights versus the trans females' alleged rights to trample those rights. I mean, um, right. I, 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 I'm, I'm finding this to be a very, very strange development. I mean, when was the last time, sir, we ever witnessed major feminist groups normally allied with Democrats angrily opposing their own party on any issue? I ask you. Yeah, it it is very unusual, and I don't think it's going to stand. I think they have made they Biden with his actions and and all of these people trying to horn in, as it were, on women's sports. Uh, I think they have made a huge mistake here. And you know the ridiculous. I, I mean, I think this is patently ridiculous in some fashions. But let's just suppose let's extend it out to someone else. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if somebody did this down the road. If some fairly athletic 70-year-old presented himself to the Boston Red Sox and said, I want to try out for left field, to which the obvious response would be, you're 70 years old, man. You can't do that. To which this guy would then reply, presumably, well, that's discrimination. You can't do that. You can't discriminate against seniors. I mean, this is, this is nutty stuff. No, it and, is nutty and, stuff, but I think it's really even more telling when you have the reality of how High school boys who wish to now claim that they identify as females could go ahead and successfully compete uh, against college-age females in a whole host of athletic activities and easily still prevail even despite uh, not being as far along in their own respective development as those college girls because of the inherent physiological advantages they have. I, and, and the idea that we can deny science in the name of accommodating a, a, a particular a political narrative um, is, is, just, is just a brain-dead exercise. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common. But after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day. And on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. 
Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, sponsored by Coca Cola. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Climb puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, mom. Yeah, hun. <gasps> Stephen, what is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries, from healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. We have operational control of the borders. Yes, we do. Chief Ortiz, do you think that uh, Secretary Mayorkas is lying there? Sir, when you talk about operational control... About 10 years ago, we used operational control as a measuring stick of our effectiveness along the southwest border. Uh, my new strategy is geared towards um, uh, mission advantage. So you, you know I, I, I'm asking a very specific question, yes, and I, I, you're, you're kind of describing how, how, how the goalpost has been moved because of the mass waves of people that are coming. My question, you heard the secretary. He said we have operational control. That's the definition of operational control. Based upon the definition you have, sir, up there, no. We don't have operational control. No, sir. But is Secretary Mayorkas lying? 
I don't. I didn't see the rest of the testimony there, sir. He was at. You you saw. He was asked if we had operational control, and he said yes. Uh, It's either ignorance, which is unacceptable, or it's lying. Wow, that is uh, intriguing, is it not? Very, very, very intriguing, is it not? Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis. For those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach, you are listening to an exchange between Congressman Mark Green, Republican out of Tennessee, uh, first asking in a clip that he was presenting um, to another witness, asking Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas if we have operational control of the border. He says we do. So then uh, Green turns around and asks uh, Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz, to whom he played the clip, uh, if Mayorkas was in fact lying, his boss. Now Ortiz, of course, tries to talk about the general definition of operational control, but Green is able to get him back on track, and Ortiz uh, doesn't, you know, he doesn't say that Mayorkas lied, but he does acknowledge that we don't have operational control of the border. So what he's essentially acknowledging is that his boss knowingly communicated a falsehood but still would not call him a liar, even though denotatively or connotatively such a reality equals a bloody lie. Oh, my God, these guys are so tedious. They really are. Just anyway. Um, again, every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. This is indeed the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. We have assisting in the opining and analyzing old friend of the show, none other than Chris Shimolensky, and he is vice president at Numbers USA. He's here to chat with us about how the House GOP uh, is moving on border uh, security legislation. Chris, welcome back. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me back on. No, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Anyway, so... The House Homeland Security Committee, as you know, recently heard Biden's Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz some weeks back disagreeing with the administration's claims about border security. Because as the hearing went on and on, Ortiz actually proved to be more beneficial to those who were trying to point out the shortcomings of the Biden administration than Ortiz was helpful in defending that administration. And despite assurances from uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas testifying that we do indeed have operational control of the border, having earlier testified that the border is in fact secured, which of course we know it's not. Um, Once again, Ortiz, Biden's own Border Patrol chief, Paul Ortiz, winds up saying just the opposite. you got to wonder why the disconnect. Is it perhaps because of the five-plus million illegal crossovers taking place since Biden took over? I would think. What say you, sir? Yeah, it's just... It's amazing. It's complete denial. You know, the House Judiciary Committee started marking up, uh, actually approved the GOP plan to, to seal the border. And just listening to some of the comments from the Democrats, it's like they are so detached from reality. They're, you know, they were right on top of it when Trump was in office. But now that the situation is 10 times worse, it, 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 it's like business as usual. And they're not understanding what's happening down there with the exception of a few members who have actually gone down there and been influenced by what they've seen. Um, but it really hasn't swayed their decision very much. No, it hasn't. It really hasn't. And, um, you know, people have been ratcheting up accountability as much as they can. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, somebody with whom I'm, I'm, I'm so often in disagreement, uh, <laughs> but still acknowledge in other areas she has a point. I mean, I've always believed that just as um, – uh, the good doesn't erase the bad, nor does the bad erase the good, just as the less than credible doesn't erase the credible, nor does the um, um, credible uh, you know, make go away the less than credible. We have to understand these things are not mutually exclusive. And when we turn to Marjorie Taylor Greene, again, we have to acknowledge just because she's been very wrong in the past doesn't mean that that takes anything away from those areas in which she is correct. You know, if, if a bad guy and a good guy both say that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, guess what? The sucker still rises in the east and sets <laughs> in the west. And I want us to listen to a bit of this exchange Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene had on the issue of the veracity of uh, one uh, Mayorkas, uh, Department of Homeland Security guy, uh, as well as a few other areas. Clip five, James, if you – actually, you know what? Um, I believe – no, let's go to clip six on that one. James, if you please. Complete outrage where China is poisoning America's children, poisoning our teenagers, poisoning our young people. How long are you going to let this go on? 
Congresswoman, let me assure you that we're not letting it go on. We are fighting this. Scr- no, I reclaim my time. You're a liar. You are letting this go on in the numbers. Well, no, actually, I want you to take the words of the speaker down. So in uh, making a ruling on this, uh, it's pretty clear that the rules state you can't impugn someone's uh, character. Uh, identifying or calling someone a liar is unacceptable in this committee. And I make the ruling that we strike those words. <laughs> but you know what? <clears throat> she had a little better luck when it came to taking out uh, Eric Swalwell, who, as you know, um, has a history of sleeping with Chinese agents. Um, and this time uh, she was able to be quite candid in her scorching ridicule of the hypocrisy of one Eric Swalwell from from California, who indeed didn't have, did in fact have an affair with a Chinese spy uh, for quite a while. Um, the reality is he was commenting on uh, a lack of security and how injurious the GOP were being to national security and the integrity of the United States, to which Marjorie Taylor Greene responded, hey, that's pretty rich coming from you, dude. Clip five, James, if you please. I'm also concerned about people on this committee and their own anti-police rhetoric. This is a defund the FBI campaign effort. That was quite entertaining from someone that had a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy, and everyone knows it. But I move to take our words down. Completely inappropriate. Yes, yeah, stand by just a second while we research the rule. Um, give me just a second. The chair uh, recognizes the gentlelady from Georgia and asks if she would like to retract those words. No, I will not. And she didn't have to. Her words were allowed to stand because it violated no rule. All she did was have the mitigated goal, audacity, lack of fortitude, and temerity, if you will, to point out that which is an empirically verifiable part of history, not an opinion. The guy had an extended sexual affair with Fang Fang, a Chinese spy, and had that affair for quite a while during his career, yielding God knows what kind of uh, sensitive material uh, to this woman who should have never been the recipient of said material. So in that regard, Marjorie Taylor Greene did not have to have her words stricken. Um, and there's another way she could have called, what's, uh, what's his name, uh, Mayorkas, a liar. She could have used the old Hillary Clinton approach. You know what you're telling us? requires the suspension of disbelief. But anyway, your sense of all this, sir. Yeah, well, I, I can't comment on, on, on a, lot of, a lot of those comments. But as for the Mayorkas point, it, I think he's just, he's just living in a different reality than the rest of us. And, and, and again, some of that did come out during yesterday's uh, House Judiciary hearing. Uh, you know, they're, simply they believe that just because there's 150,000-plus people coming to the border illegally every single month for the last two and a half years, that that doesn't mean that the border isn't secure because, well, they're, they're aware that those people are coming to the border. So the, the mass the mass increase of illegal immigration, they don't equate that with a lack of border security because they figure, well, we're, we're screening a lot of them. But the problem is, is that in addition to those people that, that are getting apprehended by Border Patrol, there's another million gotaways that we know nothing about. Uh, and 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 to sit there and to say that we have operational control of the border, it's it's just it's simply not true. Uh, well, no, it's given, functional. It's given the either, legal definition of it, yeah, he's either prevaricating out his backside, uh, or the Biden administration is collectively ba- uh, prevaricating out of their collective backside, or they're all functionally illiterate. Now, later on in that same testimony uh, that happened a few months ago, actually, I think it was just March, um, explaining how the border is anything but secured or under operational control. That same gentleman, Biden's Border Patrol Chief uh, Paul uh, Raul Ortiz, I'm sorry, not Paul, but Raul Ortiz, he testified that, quote, in five of those nine southwest border sectors, we have seen an increase in flow, and that has caused a considerable strain on our resources and really has forced the Border Patrol to move some agents and even migrants to some of the other areas, unquote. Now, what does it take, sir, for this administration to stop pointing to a massive rupture while calling it airtight? I mean, what's next? Holding up a leaky pipe while labeling it as a solid tube? I te- your take on it, sir. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. You compared this administration 
with with even the the, the eight Obama years, it's it's night and day. We're seeing two, three, four times the average of what we saw back in the mid two thousands. It's their policies have been a disaster, and it's time for them to admit it. Absolutely. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager. Jump Clouds Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices, and cloud based options aren't ideal either. Jump Cloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end to end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me, would there be a ventilator for me, would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy... It's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. 
I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all gotta help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're gonna be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. Uh, covering a number of issues here, major feminist groups are joining all-American swimmer uh, Riley Gaines, as well as Republicans, and supporting what's known as the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. And they're doing so against President Biden's promise to veto the damn thing. Uh, it's just passed the House. God knows what it looks like. It's going to look like in the Senate because not one single Democrat supported it. But there's a fissure going on in the Democrat Party because a huge uh, increasing number of people in the Democrat Party, especially women, are very, very upset with the uh, current uh, trend of trans uh, gender folks uh, apparently marginalizing the rights of women in the name of civil rights. And you got to wonder how the left's going to argue, uh, or how will the left argue over women's rights versus the trans females' alleged rights to trample on those first rights. Uh, also, separate from that, the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, otherwise known as SIGAR, um, scorches the Biden administration's incompetence regarding the resettling of Afghan allies following its cataclysmically botched evacuation as well as broken promises. What's next on that horizon? We haven't been able to get to that yet. I'll try it in the next hour. Also, Washington Representative uh, Jay Powell is spanked for saying we need illegal immigrants to, quote-unquote, pick up the food we eat and clean our homes. <laughs> uh, and this is all happening while Georgia Representative Green uh, calls out uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas as a liar to his face over the border crisis. So who made the most sense? Um, now, just to catch up a little bit, the Women's Liberation Front and Women's Declaration International USA, these folks are now on the same side as All-American swimmer Riley Gaines, again, as well as the GOP, in their objection to Biden threatening to veto the GOP bill that would actually ban trans males from going against naturally born females in competitive sports. The bill is known, once more, as the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. So how do we see this Democrat against Republican, yet still Democrat allied with Republican against Democrat battle, really panning out? I mean, when was the last time we ever witnessed female feminist groups, normally allied with Democrats, angrily opposing their own party on any issue? Now, this really began bubbling up some years ago, but not with a great deal of preponderance. But still, some leading feminists were already wary of the direction we were going. And it goes back to 2016. Uh, we have here the, a clip you're about to hear from uh, somebody we've had on the show before many years ago, Camille Paglia, professor at the University of Arts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now, she's a feminist, uh, Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein voter. Um, but she was commenting on these trans, uh, these gender transition surgeries for minors, uh, and, and she believes that they're really a form of child abuse. Uh, I guess one of the things she's pointing out is that when you're that young, you may find that, you know, hey, you're sort of attracted to your own uh, birth gender, and therefore maybe that makes you think you are actually to identify as the opposite sex of your own, when in fact, no. A lot of times, uh, people are happy to be the gender they are. They just happen to be attracted to those of their own gender. You may just be gay. But because, you know, you, you're feeling an attraction for your own gender, you might by default think that, oh, you should identify as your own current opposite sex. And Camelia Paglia sort of addresses that, too, in a few clips from now. But I want you to hear her uh, discussing... Uh, what she felt over the prospect of transition surgeries for minors and believing it was a form of child abuse. This is back in December of 2016. Camelia Paglia again, clip one, James, if you please. 
a sex change operation um, opens one door but closes many others. Right? I, 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 I personally believe that um, anyone who um, who, uh, who who collaborates in in an in in intrusion into a developing child's body and mind is guilty of child abuse, a crime against humanity. Okay, because that child is not prepared to make such a decision. Okay? I, I, I think that such such decisions about sex reassignment surgery must wait um, when. when attains a majority, which would be, it seems to me, a minimum of, of age 18. Uh, I'm, I'm very concerned with this because I think that um it's become a fashion, okay, uh, that, that, they, uh, that uh, the transgender uh, definition has become a kind of convenient label for young people who may simply feel alienated, okay, culturally for many other reasons. Good point. Now, fast forward a couple of years uh, to October 2019. And she had she she appeared on the Dennis Prager show. Somebody I had on my program many many years ago. It's promoting a book, if I remember correctly. Nice guy. Um, anyway, he had Camelia Pagli as well, professor again at the University of Arts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And you got to remember, this is a feminist and a Bernie Sanders supporter, as well as Jill Stein voter. Anyway, she acknowledges that she has felt transgendered all her life, but thinks that sex is where nature and culture intersect. She thinks that biology has now been eliminated from this and says that women in gender study programs are suffering. And what exists now are just fraudulent because biology is not discussed. And she thinks that's, that's beyond unfortunate. Clip two, James, if you please. I describe myself as um, as transgender. I, I, I don't. I have a you know massive gender dysphoria, which I've had since uh, earliest years, and so I, I, this, this has been the really the, the major theme of my life. But I concluded uh, in my book, Sexual Persona, okay, that that you know that sex is an intricate intersection of of nature and culture. We must allow for both. All right? So what's what's happened now? Okay, is this, this is kind of a, this kind of a, a mad. Uh, I think obliteration of biological distinctions because biology was eliminated from the women's studies curriculum and now the gender studies curriculum wholesale from the start. So I think that you know those programs are essentially practicing fraud. Uh, how can you possibly introduce young people to the study of gender without without uh, at least one course in biology for us to determine what exactly is the biological bequest to our identity? This is a valid point. Valid point. And this is true whether you're talking about gender reassignment surgery uh, pushed at too young of an age or, or how we should have transgender uh, females uh, competing against uh, naturally born females. Look, now, plenty of the woke will point out that many in the trans community already feel marginalized enough and they need to feel more included in society. And you know what? I get that. But folks should still feel comfortable in saying things like Camille Pagley pointed out, as well as saying that opposing trans females going up against naturally born females in competitive sports is not showing prejudice against the trans community as much as it's showing a sensitivity to naturally born females, be they gay or otherwise. And nobody can deny the scientifically provable physiological advantages that trans females have over naturally born females. Just as when you think about it, no one can reject the physiological advantages that naturally born males have over trans males, women who identify as males. Where am I mistaken in the least? We can universally celebrate the entire trans community as the equals they are without having to deny science in a way that consequently marginalizes others because said science doesn't fit a preferred narrative camouflaged as a superior morality. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. The you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Com.